Hello, and welcome back to the Wesley and Argus podcast with your host for this semester. My name is Laya McThavram, and I'm the podcast manager. And I'm Oscar Kimbaum, and an executive editor here at the Argus. Thank you for joining us again this week. We're going to begin the episode with a roundup and take you through the past week at Wesleyan. Let's get started with the news. Staff writer Spencer Landers covered three new staff members who joined the Albritton Center. Ahmed Bader, class of 20, will serve as the interim director of the Petroselli Center, as well as the adjunct assistant professor of public policy. Brianna Bellinger-Dawson will be the Jewett Center's coordinator of community participation. Jacqueline Rave-Thomas, who is the investigative reporter with the Hearst Connecticut Media, is the Keppel Fellow for spring semester. Staff writer Gabrielle McIntosh wrote about the WSA being invited to join the Global Student Government, a Democratic student-run organization founded in April 2022, acts as a representative body for students across the globe. The organization began at large colleges like the State University of New York System and the University of Toronto, and is looking to expand to include smaller liberal arts colleges like Wesleyan. In Features, Assistant Features Editor Akhil Junath wrote about this semester's policy for students with COVID-19. Students who spoke to Uckhill said that some of the university's policies were confusing, doing things like telling COVID-positive students to visit the dining hall to get meals to go and placing COVID-positive students alongside COVID-negative ones in isolation housing. Despite this, President Michael Roth says that the university does not plan to change its current policies, citing low COVID numbers on campus. In the latest From the Archives, Features Editor Sam Hilton used the language model ChatGPT to write an article chronicling the rise of technology on campus over the years, from when Wi-Fi was introduced to campus 20 years ago, to a new policy from the university this semester regulating content produced with artificial intelligence software such as ChatGPT. In Arts and Culture, Assistant Arts and Culture Editor Nicole Lee previewed some of the visual arts events coming to campus this semester. This includes the exhibition Liquid Gold, which focuses on the history of breastfeeding as it pertains to black mothers, and seeing is forgetting and remembering and forgetting again, a collection of multimedia art ranging from drawings to paintings to photographs and sculptures, all focusing on portraying the effects of memory on visuality. Both of these exhibits are on display at the Zilka Gallery, but get there while you can because they're closing this Sunday, March 5th. In the sports section, sports editor Aaron Byerly and assistant sports editor Ethan Lee previewed the upcoming spring sports seasons, looking at the women's and men's lacrosse teams, as well as the baseball and softball teams. Plus, Ethan wrote about Victor Wembanyama, a 7'2", 19-year-old French basketball player who's seen as the top prospect going into this year's NBA draft. Wrapping up in the food section, contributing writer Ada Carlson reviewed the local Vietnamese restaurant Pho 170, calling it the ultimate comfort food experience. And contributing writer Gemma Rosa Ryan shared a recipe for pork, potato, and kale soup. Today, we're also going to be continuing our Behind the Argus series, which we introduced during last week's episode. I'm going to be talking to Oscar here about his arts and culture article titled Black History Month Eclipse Event Shines Spotlight on Black Student Creativity at the Workshop. Oscar covers Eclipse, a showcase of Black student artists, on Friday, February 24th, held in the basement of Hewitt 8. The event housed a variety of artwork, including photography and multimedia, live music, and paintings. Just as a warning, some of the music clips we're going to have for this segment contain explicit language. If that's something you prefer not to hear, feel free to skip ahead when we mention the musical performance. So Oscar, was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this article or cover this event? Well, specifically, it was actually a tip from arts and culture editor Kat Struhar, uh, who just told me that this event was happening and that it could use coverage. 
I know that the Argus is trying to cover a lot of the different events that have been happening for Black History Month. Obviously, there's so much different programming from academic events to student-focused events like this. And in the past, I do have experience covering these sort of arts showcases by cultural groups. Last spring, I covered the return of uh, Mabuhai, which is the Pan-Asian music and dance performance show that's held sort of in the spring at the end of the year by a variety of the Asian student groups. So between that and my experience having been an arts and culture writer for years, this felt like something that was fairly up my alley and it sounded like a really cool event that otherwise would not get covered. And in addition, I was somewhat familiar with one of the organizers, uh, Neo Florimont. I saw him and Black Raspberry perform at one of the Mike Check concerts last fall. So I was excited to see him again and get to see the lineup of performers he had helped put together. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned you actually attended the event. So what was your experience like and how was the event? Yeah, it was it was a really great experience. Um, you get some of that from what I wrote in the article, but it's funny. The article mentions this briefly that it was advertised as a 7 o'clock to 10 o'clock event. And being that I was someone who was there to cover in a journalistic fashion and not just going there to support a friend or for fun or entertainment, I figured it was my journalistic duty to be there for the whole time. Turns out I really didn't need to be there for the whole time. I got there right at 7 and really everyone was just setting up. Um, <laughs> it was a little awkward. I was just watching people set up, watching the uh, musicians sound check. But like I mentioned in the article, things really got going around 8. People really started showing up. And it was really cool because there was a good mix of people who were there to appreciate art and people who were just personal friends of the students whose art and music was being showcased. So it was a really great supportive environment. Um, and I sort of mentioned in the article that these artists would go back and forth between the sort of very professional, here's this work, here's how I made it, here's the process behind it, here's the meaning behind it, and just sort of getting hugs and high fives from their friends who were there to congratulate them on this great event. And it was really cool too because, as I mentioned, it is a combined arts and music event, so it's not just one thing. It was an art gallery combined with a musical performance. And as we'll sort of get into, the music was sort of a variety of styles and genres, which was really exciting to see. Right. So in terms of the actual music and the exhibits, were there any that particularly stood out to you or that you remember viewing? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's hard to pick favorites. There were so many different pieces of art in so many different mediums that were all great. One of the first things that really struck me, it's one of the first things you saw when you were entering the event, was the work of Jolexis de Jesus, who's uh, the other organizer of the event alongside Neo. She does a lot of really interesting, sort of colorful mixed media work, combining paint and printmaking and collage. I spoke to her and Neo about organizing the event, and she explained that a lot of the work is about conveying sort of her experience as an Afro-Latino woman on this campus, particularly trying to get across her life and experiences and perspective to the student body at Wesleyan, where that is not a very common experience. I also really loved the uh, photos by Pelumi Sukundi, who is a, a sophomore and is also the drummer in Black Raspberry. He had a series of photos called Brotherly, which are sort of shown in the article, and it's these photos of these black boys and men of a variety of ages, sort of in these different poses. Some of them are hugging, some of them are standing next to each other, some of them are just sort of you know, looking at each other. And he explained that he wanted to show the sort of range of emotional ties that can exist between men and boys in black communities. Everything from a sort of very innocent affection between young friends to a sort of more mature bond between two adult men knowing that they've got each other's back. That was really cool to see and the photos were very well staged. And lastly, I wanted to shout out a multimedia piece by Maddie Shields, who is also a sophomore. That was a sort of multimedia piece 
part of it was these large signs. One of them read Land of Liberty, but it was split in half. And then there's another sign next to it that reads 1826, 1.5 million slaves. And that sort of really is a commentary, I think, on obviously on American history and slavery and racism and the sort of you know patriotic ideals of what people think America is versus sort of these darker realities. And another part of the exhibition was that next to those signs, there were a pair of headphones that people could put on. I don't know how long the audio was. Uh, there were people waiting to hear it. But for the brief moment where I put the headphones on, I heard a clip of Joy Reid, the uh, MSNBC host, talking about the myths behind Thanksgiving and how it's linked to colonialism and genocide of Native Americans. And then segueing to these sort of conservative commentators on Fox News very incredulously responding to that and sort of saying, you know, how can you question you know, the idea of Thanksgiving? Are you, what are you, anti-American? And I thought that was a very clever reframing and juxtaposition of these different perspectives on American history. Yeah. In your article, you also mentioned that there was an assortment of live music played at the event. So who were the bands and the artists that played and what were those performances like? Yeah, so there were uh, four musical acts who played, although I also want to give credit uh, between some of the musical acts. There was also a dance performance, actually the sole representative of dance. That was Danae Williams, who's a sophomore, who did a really sort of energetic, acrobatic routine that really sort of lit up the crowd. You could tell they were very into it. She was sort of the sole representative of dance at the performance. In terms of music, there were four different student musical acts, as I'll get into a lot more people, but four different acts. The first one to come on was Levon, uh, aka Levon Matthews, who's a senior who was actually the West Celeb last week, if you'd like to read more about him. And he's a sort of very well-known presence on campus. He's the founder of the Mike Check concert series. I've seen him perform at those. He's a very seasoned live performer, and he is a rapper, and he was the first of a few rappers who performed that night. Yeah, we're gonna play a bit of his song, Sandstorm, which uh, closed out his set. A fucking sandstorm, a fucking killer sandstorm. Get into activities, load the clip and let it go. Screaming, can you hear me speak? Solid walls, I'm Jericho. Hurry, snitchy federal. Government won't let me go. Had to check my schedule. Put them in the oven, shut the door, and I like the clothes. After Levon, there was a duo of Truy Judes, aka Julie Don Charles, who's a junior, and Lorewood, aka Langston Woody, who's a sophomore. They're both rappers as well, but they also definitely showcased a different style than Levon. I think Lorewood in particular makes a lot of use of autotune effects on his voice. During soundcheck, it was fun to see him setting that up with the uh, sound co-op people and making sure the filter was on when he took the mic. Here's a bit of his song, Mission 3.0, where you can really hear that sort of effect. and here's some of Truy Jude's song Gamer then closing out that evening's musical performances 
was the group Black Raspberry, which is this huge ensemble, I believe 27 members. They have a ton of vocalists across a variety of different ranges and instrumentalists from guitar to bass to drums to keyboard to a full horn section. And it's sort of organized and conducted by Neo, who I mentioned, who plays the saxophone as well. And actually the Argus's uh, very own managing editor, Tia Shepard, is one of the group's vocalists. So it was cool to see her there. And Black Raspberry had a very energetic set. I think there's something to the energy you get with live musicians that's very unique. And they played a mix of covers and original songs. Um, here's one clip of their performance where they are playing a cover of the iconic song Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe. I'm also going to be talking to Black Raspberry vocalist and the Argus's managing editor, Tia Shepard. Tia, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. So, what is your background in music? So, I guess I kind of come from a musical family. My dad, when I was a kid, he was a DJ. My older brother is a singer, songwriter and producer and is still doing that now. And so, kind of just throughout high school, I was always involved in choirs and things like that and then when I joined Wesleyan I really wanted to get involved in acapella I was lucky enough to be part of two different acapella groups during my time and then last year I kind of just wanted to take a step back from acapella and focus more on like making music with other cool creatives particularly like black creatives on campus because I felt like I hadn't really experienced that and just the aspect of performing with a live band too was something I really wanted to do. So you kind of already mentioned this, but what has your experience been like as a black vocalist in the Wesleyan music scene? So honestly, like for the past year, it's honestly been amazing. I think I've been searching for outlets like Mic Check and Black Raspberry to kind of make music with other like-minded people. And I do feel like sometimes the Wesleyan music scene can be quite insular and a bit exclusive, honestly. And so having a space like Black Raspberry and Mic Check to like perform the kinds of music that I like and that other people like me like has been has been really nice. Absolutely. So you kind of already mentioned this as well, but how specifically did you get involved with Black Raspberry and what has your experience been like? So last last fall I think it was, I basically approached Levon Matthews, who's an amazing person on campus. Um, he's doing he's done amazing things for the music scene and specifically I'm really pushing black artists and he created Mic Check and one of my best friends and housemates had performed in it while I was studying abroad in Paris and she told me about it and kind of said you should try and get on one of the shows. So during the fall last semester I kind of just approached Levon because I already kind of knew him and just asked if I could do a little 10 to 15 minute set. Got some guitarist involved, got my housemate involved and my other friend to do backing and then that same show Black Raspberry were also performing and I think we both just kind of heard each other perform and were like, oh, that's really cool. And I kind of asked them if they were having auditions or not, but they kind of said, look, there's a space for you if you want it, which was really, which was really sweet. And then I sort of just joined from there. 
and it's been really nice it's been definitely a change from acapella like no hate to acapella but it's definitely a lot more of a chilled environment i feel like i'm able to kind of have a bit more say in the types of songs we do and the arrangements that's something like i'm trying to work on this semester like being involved in the arranging process and Neo, our band director, is incredible, as are all the other members. It's just a really cool creative space, and it's been a big highlight of my time at Words. Well, great. Thank you so much for, for interviewing with of us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Oscar's article was published in this Tuesday's issue of The Argus. Oscar, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having me. Time to revert from being a guest back to being a host. Let's take a look at some of the other articles in today's issue of The Argus. First up in the news section, Assistant News Editor Carolyn Newgarden wrote about Tuesday's fundraiser in Bake Sale held by the Office of Residential and Student Life and the Muslim Student Association to raise funds for Doctors Without Borders to aid victims of the recent earthquake in Turkey and Syria. The fundraiser raised over $4,700, more than three times its goal of $1,500. Plus, Features Editor Sam Hilton wrote about President Roth's meeting with the WSA last Sunday where he discussed a range of topics, including financial aid and academic freedom. Up next in the Features section, Head Features Editor Leah Franklin writes about the West Leb Avery Kelly. Kelly is a former student athlete and a current vocalist for the band Lewskies. The band started as a cover band, but is now writing their own music. We also have a new office hours on Professor Nina Hagel, an assistant professor of government who also teaches courses in the College of Social Studies and the Feminist, Gender, and Sexuality Studies Department. Assistant Features Editor Eugenia Shaknovskaya sat down with Professor Hagel to discuss her time in Prague and her interest in political theory. Over in the arts and culture section, staff writer Charlotte Seal previewed the play Top Girl, a show about female leaders from throughout eras, which premiered at the 92 Theatre last night, and will have two more performances tonight and tomorrow. We also have a comic by Ali Eckstein, a poem in the Poems of Our Climate series by Genesis Pimentel, and another installment of Astrology with Nico by Nicholas Somerson. Next, for the opinion section, we have a new pillow talk by sex and relationship columnist Dill and Doe. Be sure to check out today's issue of The Argus to read all about their advice on toxic friendships. In addition, head news editor Suwan Bailey dishes her take on the British Academy of Film Awards, better known as the BAFTAs. Last but not least, we have sports. Executive editor Jem Shin spoke to this week's Player of the Week, Grace Devaney, who's known for her accomplishments in both track and field and soccer, including holding a Division III record for the 500-meter race and serving as the captain of the women's soccer team. Plus, Jem Shin, head sports editor Aaron Byerly, and assistant sports editor Sam Weitzman-Kirker continue the spring sports preview, looking at what's up next for the men's and women's tennis, track, crew, and golf teams. Thank you for listening to the Wesleyan Argus podcast this week, and be sure to check out today's issue of The Argus. The Wesleyan Argus podcast is hosted by me, Laya McClavram, and me, Oscar Kim Bauman. Our podcast editor is Hannah McKiernan. You can also connect with The Argus online at wesleyanargus.com, or on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok pages. Stay tuned for our next podcast, and we look forward to keeping you updated throughout the semester. Thanks for listening.